definitely that Sam's not speaking. One thing we should address as well, just because it makes me laugh every time I listen. So for a couple of weeks now, we've been doing the introduction. So I state my name, Adam states his name. Have you realised that you always do yours like a question? You always go, I'm Chris. And I think if there's anything we can definitely be certain of to this point... I'm Chris. You are, you are Chris. I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs> for the benefits of the tape, Chris Lee is just uh, pouring out three gl- glasses of a fine... Port. A fine mm. Christmas port for us all oh. to enjoy the season. Yes, and we should be not. saying Merry Christmas because these, are, these will be our... Yeah. It is, although it's, you know, I mean, it's nearly December now, so it's yeah. practically Christmas. It's a lot closer to Christmas than it was, you know, six weeks ago or whatever when we recorded. So, Merry mm. Christmas, everybody. Chin Merry chin. Christmas. Salut. No rock. No. Mm. Oh, that's bloody nice. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Excellent. So, going well with the skull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, should open a beer as well. Um, yeah, so, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Horror. Uh, this is the first of our Christmas bonus episodes. It might be one Christmas bonus episode. It might be a number. Go on, Chris, go for it. Yeah. Um, we've not quite decided how we're going to release them, but either way, it's Christmas bonus. Um, yeah. So, uh, welcome to Horror. I am Lee. I am Adam. I'm Chris. He's definitely certain this time. Excellent. Yes. We're moving in the right direction. Um, uh, we'll, uh, we won't do our normal preamble. Um don't yes. think we need to. We want to keep these nice and uh, nice and short. Sexy. Nice and sexy. Uh, so we've just watched Crooked House, written and produced by the always astounding Mark Gatiss. Um, Mark Gatiss, we mm. love you. We do, very much, with all our Christmassy, evil black hearts. I know I've learned who he is, I definitely love him. <laughs> I feel he has stolen my career. Mm. <laughs> but he did it clever by doing it a few years before me and being a bit older. And being really, better at it. really good at it. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I think I always think maybe I'd be. I would I be Garth Marenghi? Because <laughs> I I did want to write, direct, star, do the music for, and be in my own occult detective series. And the more I think about it, the more it is going to be Garth Marenghi. That's my level. But then some would say I'm a dream weaver. <laughs> I say go for it. Have you seen Garth Marenghi? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Place. Oh. It's yeah. we went to the um, oh fuck yeah yeah when they did the ten year anniversary they showed them all mm. back to back with the actors in residence. Yeah. Um, oh, it was Matt Holness and Alice Lowe, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Oh, speaking of which, have, that's something that if no one's seen it, go and uh, see uh, Prevenge. Yeah, Alice Lowe's film is. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. Yeah, fucking great, isn't it? It was. It was the bits where it was really dark, and I was a little bit unsure, but I absolutely loved it and I love the fact that she wrote it and was like I'm actually pregnant we have to rush this through get it filmed and made immediately mm. because I'm on a time frame I want to be pregnant for the filming I want it yeah. all to be real um, that's amazing like I know I know what women go through in pregnancy obviously uh, uh, although we don't have any kids I know you know people at work and stuff and you know how much they go through and how gruelling it is the fact that she made a film at the same time yeah. what an absolute hero oh no it's <laughs> fucking amazing not only that but also that good a fucking film yeah you know that is it's just is yeah. this going to be one we're watching oh, it's definitely a late date we actually going, yeah we watch yeah we'll definitely well, we'll we'll leave it there we're trying to mm. keep it short and yeah we'll introduce the prevenge because 
Oh, that film's fucking great. I think it might even be on Netflix. I think it's fairly easy to get hold of. Oh, um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's been cheap in HMV. It's just on, I've been too cheap in HMV. <laughs> so I haven't got any fucking money. Otherwise, yes. I've, but I did go, I did see it at the cinema. Oh, did you? Oh, yes. see, I did not. I, um, yeah, cause I, I saw it when it came out. Because it's, um, it's also, um, like it's obviously, because it's Alice Lyon, basically, and it was like Dark Place, mm. um, and loads of other stuff she'd done, and she'd done and that was she'd done sightseers at that point as well, oh, which is yeah. You've seen sightseers, haven't, haven't you? No, oh, you haven't. I think I should. We bought it for your uh, um, one Probably less interesting for the uh, listeners, but I bought it for your aunt Maggie mm. for Christmas. The psychologist, um, okay, psychiatrist, in fact. Um, she found it. Very interesting. I can't remember quite what she said, but uh, yeah, I think she enjoyed it. Mm. But it's 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 really good fun. It's really funny. It is dark as fuck. Yeah, it really is. Um, Lovely. But yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. I don't know because you struggled a bit with the voices, didn't you, when you watched that? It's I, I struggle with the voices. <laughs> what, what, what are these voices? Occasionally, <laughs> and, and can we involve uh, your arm in this case? <laughs> Uh, have you seen the voices, Adam? Oh, sorry. I, I thought it was like natural. With, no, I thought it might have been like you'd watch something. You know, like basically how everyone watches The Dark Knight Rises. What? What's oh, this? Right. Yeah. You know, I just thought mm. you had trouble with the voices. Just okay. like, like just whispering. You know. Have you seen the voices? I've not seen the voices. No, I've seen the voice. The thing where chairs flip round and. Uh, Tom Jones it's exists. It's definitely more entertaining than that. It's Good also Lord. way darker than that. Oh, Is it not, um, what's his name from? Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, that's yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was good. You did? Yeah. yeah. I think it might have been Shelley who yeah, found well, it a little uh, bit. Yeah, possibly. It is very, very dark mm. humour. Um, but yeah, you would definitely love it. The cat is, he's got a cat and a dog mm. who talk to him <laughs> and the dog tells him nice things and tells him how great he is and the cat tells him he's shit and he should kill everybody. It's really, really that, good. And, mm. and perfectly right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That is that is how the voices would go, definitely. Oh, it's a it's a brilliant film. Really enjoy it. Um, right, sorry, we started wandering right. already. Off topic. So we've just watched Crooked House, um, the Christmas special from two thousand nine. Did you uh, say? Two, sorry, two thousand and eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah. Um, it was broadcast as th- in three parts. Yep. Uh, but we have obviously just watched it in one sitting, and I think. I don't. Sometimes when they do things like that and they air them in parts, mm. it feels a little bit guilty to watch it in a single sitting. But that mm. felt pure amicus, the old Hammer anthology portmanteau films. Mm. It, it flowed perfectly, um, really well spoke, like well timed. I loved all of. I loved all three of the stories in it equally. I thought mm. they were all fantastic. They're all they're all different as well, which is quite nice. Uh, very different. Yeah, yeah. They're the way they span over three very different time mm. periods. What did you make of it, Chris? Yeah, well, I thought it was fantastic. He's got notes. Um, I thought I, I got a brief note. I said I love the three stories, and a nice twist. Not too crazy, but the nice man, the curator from the museum, turned out to be an evil necromancer. He did. And then I liked that it shows you him in each set, yeah. each period. Um, mm. So yeah, and, uh, you know, I suppose he gave away a little bit. He had a bit of an evil laugh occasionally when he was recounting the stories. Mm. You know, maybe it's a hint that there's something going on here with him. Mm. Um, yeah, 
so no, I thought it was it was great. I I did I have to I'll have to mention it now before I forget. But your you when you said Mark Gate is in this looks like a studious Robert Englund. Yeah. <laughs> it's per- no, it is perfect. Yeah. Which in a way I think is another thing is because nowadays it would be I, not. It wasn't for me watching it because I think we'd all we all loved because we worked out earlier, didn't we, Lee? That me and you watched it as it went uh, out yeah. and we're and texting, we're texting each, each other. other. Yeah, <laughs> it was like fucking Derek Brown. Yeah, but um, yeah. I, so I think we were probably thinking, well, it's Mark Gatiss, so he's sinister. Yeah, because yeah. So we because I've only to... seen him from Sherlock, and he is he. It seems like his character in that, I've not seen all of them, but he comes across as kind of being a bit bad, but actually underneath he's actually being good. But So I don't yeah. know if that is, is that correct? Oh yeah, I mean Mycroft, uh, his, yeah, his characterisation of, uh, of Mycroft is, I mean, so is, is, I love it. I mean, I think, they've done, I think they've done it really well and it is that same sort of thing, but he's just meant to be more of a bastard. You know, yeah, he, okay. but also he always plays characters like because you bought me, you bought us Taboo, the whole thing on Blu-ray. Ah, oh, yes. Know? And of course, he plays the Chancellor. No, he's the pri- he's the Prince Regent. Oh, that's right, he's the Prince Regent. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. And yeah, what a dick he played in that. Oh, he's brilliant, absolutely well, brilliant. He's such a good actor. He needs hmm. to he needs to do more of that stuff. I mean, he was I fantastic think, in League of Gentlemen. But hmm. well, I think also he did. Um, like there's, they did recently. The BBC did a gunpowder plot thing. He mm. was in that. I meant to see that. Yeah, and he's in a lot of historical dramas and things like that. So he is. He's turning up here and there. He's been in Game of Thrones, obviously, because he's the uh, mm. Iron Bank manager. Yes, he is. And, yes. Um, who apparently, and I talk about big up your role, because that, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, it's like, I mean, even watching this, I was like. You did give yourself the part of essentially Lucifer. Yeah. Mm. You know, you you gave yourself the part of the real big bad in this. You know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I think sort of... Because Mycroft is practically, like in Sherlock, I think, just because of how popular he was, but Mycroft's in it. As it went on, Mycroft became more involved in terms of the plotting and things like that as mm. well. So I, th- I think I saw him in a couple earlier on, and then the one... That sort of launched was it this season that was quite horror like oh the abominable bride was it it was in in a house and oh no sorry all, yeah. Know, it was, yeah it was yeah. getting very eerie yeah where he had the he was like creep like it was his manor house and he was yeah. going around the and like even to get even he had a sword stick again yeah this yeah. This, this is what I would do. <laughs> mm, yeah. You know, in the in the same circumstances, I would play Mycroft because it's probably the coolest role, mm. <laughs> and I would be like, "Well, of course he's got a sword stick. He's Mycroft, and he runs MI five. Of course he's got a sword stick. <laughs> Don't be stupid. Just bring me three, and I'll choose which one I want." Yeah. <laughs> but he obviously sort of obviously came up from League of Gentlemen, and also. Weirdly enough, I actually encountered Mark Gatiss before I knew what the League of Gentlemen was. Mm. Because he's like, obviously, massive, massive Doctor Who fan. Mm. And when Doctor Who finished on the TV back in 1989, the following sort of uh, pe- the period afterwards, they were still, they basically continued it in a series of books mm. that were kind of officially licensed from the BBC, so they kind of were 
the next stages of Doctor Who. It wasn't like sort of, you know, stuff that doesn't count. I mean, it doesn't now because no. it's come back on TV. But at the time, that was the official. Oh, if you want to see more Doctor Who original stuff, it's in these books. And he wrote, I think, the fifth book in that. Okay. Which I loved, and it's called Nightshade, hmm. and that is basically, um, it's basically involves an actor who is quite a mess. Ah. It's meant to be a guy who's um, like a guy in an old folks' home in the seventies, but he was the actor who played a character called Professor Nightshade, and it's basically a thinly adapted version of the Quatermass character. Cool. And yeah, and and in that, like, even they, because it sort of quite gets quite supernatural, and there's a lot of uh, historical stuff. Cavalier skulls as well, I believe, are in it as well, which ah. gets mentioned in this. Um, but yeah, and that I just really adored, and then League of Gentlemen, and weirdly enough, I think it was only like second series of League of Gentlemen or something like that that I put two and two together that he'd written this book. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's a, again, I am I, I'm not a big reader. I don't. I, I enjoy reading, but I find it... I, I will never sit... I won't very often sit down and read a book mm. over sitting down and watching something. Yeah. Um, partly because it sends me to sleep. Um, but... No, I, I, I know that. That's, sometimes it's the best way of getting some sleep. Yeah. But um, I did go through... When I first discovered the first of Mark Gates's Lucifer box... Yes. ...season, I think you bought... Lady Jennifer Vesuvius Club. Yeah, the first you? one, Vesuvius Club, um, yeah. And she read that and said to me, you, you really, really need to read this. Mm. Um, and I read it, and then I went and bought her the, the two follow-up books. And I think I read all three of them in like a week. I literally... Yeah. It was when I was... I, I was not between jobs. I'd taken my... The company for which I'd worked had sent me to work from home and nobody had told anybody. So basically everyone thought I'd gone. So I sat here for a week waiting for the phone to ring. And in that week, I sat on this very sofa and read all three of those books. And mm. what a fucking week it was. I love that. They're, they're, um, they're very Sherlock Holmes. Well, it's weird because they, they progress through. Um, because Gate, I think... It, they're all in very different... Each mm. book is a totally different style. But I think they represent, like, the sort of three loves of Mark Gatiss. The first one is Victorian set and is very uh, Conan Doyle's, very Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Uh, then but with a lot more of Gatiss's uh, oh, dark yeah. sense of humour. Just yeah. completely the be- tied the, through the it. The best line in it is... Because it's told from the perspective of Lucifer Box. And the best line in it is... is I was insisting. I was insisting that they dig up the casket, and like they they dig up this casket, and I told them pull the lid off, and there the coffin was empty, as I thought. I said, which was a fucking lie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And, and then and then they did. So he did. Yeah, he did Lucifer. He did that one. Then there's the next one, which is kind of a Dennis Wheatley one because it's all occultism yeah. and Nazis. And, you know, sort of set in the 20s and all sort of fast cars and, you know, sort of adventure and daring do. And then the last one is basically a James Bond one. I was going to say, yeah, it's more war. It's during the war, isn't it? It's like espionage. It's 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 post-World War II. Yes, it is, yeah. I can't remember what the middle one was called. No, I can't. I think it's something... uh, Oh, it'll come to me. But but honestly, go and look these books up, people. Mm. If you're a reader, they are... Truly amazing, uh, uh, and they're really, they're really easy to read. 
um, but very hard to put down. Mm. So yeah. unfortunately, he said he's not going to do anymore because he just found the process of uh, of being an author the the loneliest mm. sort of artistic thing because it's essentially just you in a room. Yeah, well, it's yeah. very different yeah, yeah. to acting and directing. Yeah. And sort of producing, yeah, producing yeah. A t- like TV and stuff mm. like that. If you're so talented at so many things, you yeah. can pick and ch- you can try lots of different mm. artistic mediums and then go, do you know what, I like this one. And, and I think also I like a lot of Mark Gates' stuff. I mean, apart from the, the Who side, like the Doctor Who side of things, you can see how much he loves the same things we do in terms of horror, mm. in terms of sort of horror slash fantasy, but not, mm-hmm. but also periods of it, like Victorian Dennis, like with that where it's Victorian, yeah. then Dennis Wheatley, and then the sixties sort of psychic, the fifties like sort of one, and yeah, it's yeah, uh, but it's these are all things that run through like when he's done. Like in Doctor Who, he's done a Victorian one and yeah. stuff like that, and it's there. It's all the so same. He's, he's really areas. interested in that. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. And, but I think it stems from loving the same sort of things, like mm. like basically our understanding of Victoriana, which is sort of Sherlock Holmes from... and Dracula. Yeah, you know, it's, and Hammer, that sort of thing. And, so, and um, it, so he's a history of horror, which he did, which um, we mentioned to you earlier, Chris, mm. while we were watching uh, Crooked House. Um, yeah, again, that goes to prove. So he picked the same eras mm. that uh, that that we would have picked. So that the the first instalment was all the original Universal stuff, and then the second instalment was uh, Horror in the Home Counties, which was all the Amicus and Hammer stuff, mm. and then he did one which was like a, a a final right from the seventies up to now. Kind well, it of. was it was more the it was more the golden age of late seventies sort of horror where you get the the sort of initial real defining moments of modern horror mm. so you get Texas Chainsaw Massacre Exorcist, Exorcist. Um, Suspiria and, I remember him yeah I think I, well because they did one as well Horror Europa which is where they took where he talked more about um, European horror films I've not rewatched that I need to rewatch that there's I've still got one of, one of the I've still got one of their films like one of the films I, that he recommended on there was a Spanish film called um, can you kill a child? And, yes. And but also there's sort of stuff in there. Like that's I think where he talks more about Suspiria and things. Yeah, I've definitely because yeah, I remember because that was a one-off. Like they only did one of that. That's right. Yeah. Because that's the reason I went and got Suspiria because I've never been a big fan of the Italian mm. horror. Um, but yeah, him talking about it I was like, I think I, I need to get that. So I went and bought it on Blu-ray because um, I was like, well, there's no story, so it might as well look amazing. Uh, yeah, and it did. And that, it is, the key. that is the amazing. key. Every single bit of that is just stunning. It's a beautiful film mm. to the point where, yeah, even I could tolerate it for a whole hour and 45 mm. minutes or so. Um, but yeah, so back to Crooked House. Um, so like we said, it was shown as a mini-series. Um, like over, I think it was over three nights. Yeah. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or whatever it was. Or, mm-hmm. um, obviously, uh, Christmas, this is uh, like... And again... Because they hadn't done much, they, I think they'd done a few of the re the the restart of Mr. James. Mm-hmm. Um, because basically, Ghost Stories for Christmas was a big tradition on the BBC where they would show. Um, uh, initially, they I think they did the Signalman, which was uh, Charles Dickens. Yep. Then they did the Mr. James 
sort of series as well. This was all late seventies, early eighties, and then they did um, then they did a few originals, didn't they? Towards they did, the tail yeah. end of that, and adaptions of other authors. And Some then, of those were good. oh yeah, and then they sort of it sort of stopped being a thing that they were doing the ghost stories for Christmas, and then around the sort of early 2000s, BBC Four started doing it. Mm. And so you got a few more M.R. James adaptions. And then I think, then the fault, like after a couple of those, then we got Crooked House. Yeah. Which was kind of, again, this is, we're, we're still doing Ghost Stories for Christmas, like the BBC still had a thing for it then. And I think that kind of restarted, mm. restarted it again. And I, I think I've mentioned before, this is, the, this watching this, it was the only time I've ever written a letter, but I wrote an email to the BBC. Um, mm. Yeah, having watched, well, having watched this, it was so amazing mm. that I, I was like, don't just do this you as a one-off and forget yeah. about it. Mm. Yeah, so I was like, the more people that yeah. email them and go, this, yeah. this was the highlight of the last decade of mm. your Christmas broadcasting, don't let it go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I decided it was time to take up the pen and... yeah. And say to them, "Oi, this this is the best thing you've done in a long time." Yeah. I've never you written to you before. This is this is yeah, how good it is. Me, yeah. I have motivated me to write to you and say, "Yeah, absolutely." And then it led to Mark Gatiss doing more of the ghost stories for Chris for Christmas. Mm. So, what well, your the, email did? No, no. <laughs> Specifically, they said, yeah. and now on BBC Two, in response to an email from Lee Porter, <laughs> we present the Tractate Midoff. Uh, the Tractate Midoff was yeah, 3D. amazing. <laughs> Fuck you, 3D. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's it, it's great that, as you say, it, it's only been a couple of years between each and they've mm. kind of kept it up. Um, but yeah, I think I, I do think that this was what picked it up again because there was such a lull for such a long time. It was almost forgotten. They did this as a one-off. It picked up so well that I think the ghost story for Christmas mm. came back and it was followed the year after or two years after by... The Whistle and I'll Come to You remake with John Hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I think was the last, I think that's really been the last one they've done. Because they, there was also others. The Tracks Take Midoff was later was than it? that. Ah, was it? I'm enough. sure that was. I think you might be right, actually. I'm sure that was only two years ago, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if they're doing one this year. No, I haven't seen anything. Bastards. But. but for an email. <laughs> Read my last email. If you, can find, if you can find the previous one, do that. <laughs> Read my last email. It is now eight years in the future, and we still don't seem to have... We have only had two ghost stories for Christmas in between. What the bloody hell is the BBC playing at? I pay my licence. Why, oh why, is the structure of my chromosomes. (laughs) Yours sincerely, Brigadier Lee Porter, Mrs. (laughs) So, yeah, so this is another portmanteau. I think the only other one Mm. we've done is Trick or Treat, isn't it? Uh, And last week we did Tales of Terror. Yes, sorry, yeah. But I think this is the first one. But for all of the rest of you, in about six weeks' time, yeah, we're yeah. in total terror. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Spot the magic. Determined not to do that. Sorry. But um, I'll edit it's, it. the, it's the first one we've done where it's got the the, the sort of wraparound, isn't it? Yeah. Because because yeah. t- mm. tales of, tales of terror does it as a series of segments. Yeah. And trick or treat is interlinked. Rather yeah. than having a rap segment, it's yeah. just everything pays off at the end. That everything's sort of joined up. 
Um, but this is much more in the tradition of like the Amicus portmanteau films, which we'll have to show you as well. Mm. Where they would have like the separate story and then the wraparound of it. Mm. Although obviously in this case, the, the last story is part of that wraparound. Yeah. So, yeah. See, I've kind of forgotten that. I remembered there was a wraparound of that and I remembered that there were at least two stories. But yeah, mm. I'd forgotten that there were the two stories and then the third instalment was just the the encapsulation of it all and how it all intertwined together, which obviously mm. you hadn't picked up on. But, um, but I mean, well, I mean, for a start, so we've got Lee Ingleby as the, yes. as the, 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 the main guy. Mm. He will uh, always be the Romford boy from Space. Exactly, yeah, that's, that's all oh, I think. Oh, that's <laughs> who he yeah. was. Yeah. Is, is it because I did the Kiora advert? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> He was, um, he was, oh, he's, he's done loads of stuff since though. He's been, he regularly plays bastards. Mm, yeah. This is one of, this is one of his, his lesser so. git roles. <laughs> he, even in Life on Mars, he turned up as Sam's dad. Yeah. I loved Life on Mars. I'd forgotten that even existed. Oh, well, I've got them all on DVD. I was looking at them earlier, so I'll bring them around for you. Did oh. you ever watch Ashes Trashes? Yes, I did. Sorry, Ashes Trashes. Two sips of pulp, and that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I could definitely... Again, it's one of those things that I watched in a... We oh, smashed yeah. through both seasons in a month or something. So, yeah, I'll, I, I I'll, bring, definitely... I'll bring you the complete set then. You so. see, you say, like you say he was nice in this, but I thought that sort of one of the whole points of it was that because he was shirking his responsibilities, oh, yeah. he lost his house to a, you know... But compared Several to his other roles... Old. Well, no, he was, he, was <laughs> nice, he was nice in person, but he was just not quite He's grown up in that. Yeah, I th- but then that's always the thing with this. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, the man who gets eaten by the wainscoting is just a business prick. Yeah. yeah. Who, yeah. in fairness, you know, how far... I mean, he... It, it's implies that he stitched that the other guy up, but only yeah, well, in the sense yeah, of I mean, it may not have been sti- like so not informing have, him that he yeah, was pulling there's, out. There's possibly, yeah. yeah. Obviously, you'd need a few more details, but I think as well, seeing him every time he had an opportunity to try and do something nice about mm. what he what had played a part you could in. See yeah. He was the, considering uh, it. No, he was, he mm. was, but that's it. Every time he had that opportunity, he chose not to. So it's like he could have redeemed himself, yeah. but he just kept deciding to go and get drunk instead. And actually, I can't and, blame him. well, as yeah, understandable as it may be, that's well, why he got eaten by a shade. Andy Nyman and Julian Reintart. Yeah. yeah, we will post on Instagram the coasters yes. of uh, Julian Reintart that Jennifer has, uh, courtesy of friend of the show Sharon. Yes, mm. uh, all those all those years ago. Still one of her favourite birthday presents ever. Yeah. yeah, and obviously you've got Darren Brown in there. He doesn't yeah. really have much. Other than glaring and standing yeah. and chanting, yeah, that's um, quite a good. Which is a good, yeah. So again, jobs for the boys. Yeah. It's, so it's the connection again between Andy Nyman and, mm. and um, Darren Brown. And Darren Brown, because did you know? Mm, no, go on. Did you know Andy Nyman? So he used to write a lot of the stuff with Darren Brown. That he, so when he used to do all the big, like the seance. He was his engineer essentially, wasn't yeah. he? The, 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 uh, which is um, if, when you see the Prestige. Yeah. Um, uh, engineer is the person who makes your tricks, mm. or you know, is the person you conceive of your props and okay. uh, act like sort of illusions with. Yeah, so he did that. He's also he's been in horror for a very long time. He was uh, he was in the original to go back to the very first episode, the seventies TV version of 
Um, oh, Woman in Black. Woman yes. in Black. Mm. Yeah, he's got a bit part in that. He's only. He, he's I don't a think kid, he has. He? Yeah, pretty much. He's a, a teenager, mm. and he works in the office. So yeah. he, he doesn't have any lines, but yeah, he's in the background giggling a lot. Mm. Um, he was in Severance with Danny Dyer, mm. Um, mm. which, trust me, it's still worth watching. It's a really good slasher comedy monster. Danny Dyer's good in it. He's oh, fantastic. I like, I like Danny Dyer. Yeah, you like Danny Dyer now? Yeah. Oh. It's all right. Well, since he on, was on Twitter, I liked him. Yeah, And, and Human Traffic was good. Oh yeah, yeah, very, yeah. That's a very old film, but yeah, yeah. nice one. Yeah. Oh, actually, it's funny. Actually, so <laughs> yeah, he was in Human Traffic, and the time that I saw him, we were in traffic. Mm. <laughs> Have I told you about this? <laughs> I got. I sort of feel like you said, yeah. I got stuck in traffic once on the M25 mm. coming home from work, um, and we were in like very slow moving traffic for about an hour and a half, and the only thing that kept me going was the fact that Danny Dyer was in a Range Rover in the car next to me and was visibly furious about the fact that he was stuck in traffic, which gave it a comedy element and made my hour and a half in the traffic more bearable because he was very pissed off in that car. He was expressing the way you felt. Yeah, and it just made me laugh. So there we go. Mm. Synergy. Synergy. (laughs) Synergy. Oh, by the way, the segments have got names because they did have... Um, because they had episode titles when it went out episodically so oh, the cool. first one that we were just discussing is the wainscoting mm. yes um, and which came the wood came from a gibbet yeah gibbet the, the, the tie mm. tree, tree yeah and so yeah and the the knocking sound is the boots of the mm. hanged men which is I like that I don't think I picked up on that last time I think I yeah, it was only oh, this, yeah. or, or I might have done, I've just forgotten. I've not seen it in a couple of years. But, um, mm. Yeah, I did like that. The fact that it wasn't just a knocking, there was a, a reason behind yeah. it. Yeah. Well, because also there's, there's the sound of like choking yeah. when he puts his head close to the wall. And he's really good, like Philip Jackson, the, the, yeah. the, uh, blocks him. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah, he's, I think he's really, really good at it. Cause yeah. Because he, he's good comedically. Yeah. yeah well, what else he done? Um, he was, um, oh blimey, he was in. Oh, actually, he's in Robin of Sherwood, wasn't he? Um, he was really the. He was the priest in it, basically Robin of Sherwood. Sit through the first three episodes of Robin of Sherwood, and then enjoy the comedy series The Sheriff of Nottingham. <laughs> it's <laughs> like it's like unmade episodes of Blackadder. Um, he is brilliant. <laughs> he is so fucked off and Robin Hood is only part of this. He hates every fucking thing. <laughs> Everyone is fucking with him and this is just one more thing on the dick horizon. And he is just so good. And the guy who plays him, a guy called Nicholas Grace, is so fucking good and so funny. And um, yeah, um, Philip Jackson turns up in that as his priest, and it's very much the same sort of thing. He's just a disreputable, miserable old shit, <laughs> and so and it's wonderful. You just end up with like this weird medieval sitcom that occasionally gets interspersed with a shampoo commercial and blokes fighting with sticks. But <laughs> in, but yeah, and so yeah, so he's in that. He was in Poirot for years. I think he was like Hastings, uh, is it? The, the okay, guy yeah, like yeah. he like his. His Watson, essentially. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, he was in that, and then he's just he's just done loads of sort of. So, so in in Robin of Sherwood, was he the guy who wore purple? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, he yeah, was. Yeah, I definitely remember him. Yeah, well I think I, well. I'm assuming he. Yeah, I think he was the bishop or whatever. And he was yeah. Just, yeah, he was a shit. Guy yeah. of Gisborne was like a petulant teenager, yeah. and then the sheriff of Nottingham was Black Adam. And it's just, uh, what is it he's going on about? Well, when he was pissed off that someone was coming to visit him who he didn't like. And, it's, and it literally has nothing to do with the rest of the fucking show. Mm. <laughs> and he's just there moaning about this fact this guy's coming round and he's like treating it like the in-laws coming round or something like that. You know, he's really just pissed off. And what is it he's, uh, he's going on about? I mean, if you listen to the man speak, it's ridiculous. He's so dull. No wonder his coat of arms is a rampant bore. <laughs> And yeah, he's just. Oh, sorry. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought everyone in this was. Mm, good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there was. Yeah, because in because I mean, obviously you got Andy Nyman, you got um, uh, oh, what's his bloody name? Um, <clears throat> Julian Ryan Tartley, we just yep. said. Um, the lady uh, who was uh, Mrs. Glenville. Um, she's an actress called Beth Goddard, and she's been in like tons and tons of stuff. She has. Um, she was in like Cracker, Gimme Gimme Gimme, Sunny Sh- Sunnyside Farm, um, Drop the Dead Donkey. She was just in loads and loads. Of oh, stuff. Drop the Dead Donkey! Mm. That's fantastic. I, I only discovered that recently when it came on Netflix. Oh um, yes, yeah. I went for a whole I think week I lent it to you, but I don't think you guys ever watched it in here. No, I think it was. One, I kept meaning to, but I was like, I just, I don't, I mm. don't know. No, it's it's it's, it's a great show. But see, don't ask me though, because I'm sure Jennifer told me about it. Once. Yeah, she did. She, once, she yeah, that. once we discovered uh, it. Oh, right. And the sound of bumblebees and the scent of jasmine. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. He was fucking good. Yeah. That, that speech is yeah. just like... Because I think that's another thing that Mark Gatiss is really strong at, is he's strong classically, like at melodrama. Yeah. And that really pays off in those... in the historical segments. Yeah. And yeah, I think that because he's got, I think also because he's quite, you know, he's a history obsessive, so he likes to have it right. Because mm. I think it's that thing of well, his, history's gr- proper grim anyway. Yeah. You don't really have to, you don't, you only have to tweak it a bit. You don't have to make shut up, you know, when there's yeah. real, you know, people. It's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's so yeah. Mm. He's very good. I've noticed Margaret is at taking comedians. And putting them in serious roles as well, and really getting a lot out of them. Mm. Yeah. So, as you say, with Julian Ryan Tut, and the same with uh, Martin Freeman in Sherlock, and mm. like a lot of the time, he does opt for comedic actors and takes them out of that comfort zone and puts them in something else. And they're always astonishingly good. But then it's timing again. It's like you know, they half half of the battle of comedy is not to laugh. Yeah. And once you've broken that. You can pro- I think that's the thing. They make very good actors for um, supernatural stuff or stuff where belief has to be stretched because you know you've already you're already in the area of I don't laugh for a living. Yeah. So you can deal with the extraordinary shit much better. Yeah. Because you're not sitting there going, "This is silly." This is silly. <laughs> you, you do that every day, so you yeah. you know to switch that bit off. And yeah, and to do it, you know, you, the the timing has to be good. It's all s- same parts of acting. I mean, there's hmm. plenty of comedians who are shit actors as well. There are. Unfortunately, a lot of them are given their own sitcom, <laughs> and it's named after them. <laughs> who 
think you have <laughs> No, I don't know. I was just, I was just, yeah. Sorry, I just went off on one there. I think it's the pulse going into my head. That's all right. That's fine. Then we got something old. Is the second part. I loved that. Mm. I thought that was a. That's I loved all of the all of the stories in this, but yeah, yeah. I thought that one was uh, really particularly creepy. Mm. Considering it was in a. I don't know, that period doesn't seem to get a lot of coverage in horror. You mm. get a lot of gothic stuff, and then you get a lot of yeah. what would have been modern stuff, but there isn't an awful lot in that sort of 30s, 40s period. Well, I think, I mean, certainly like sort of 20s, 30s stuff is more the domain of Agatha Christie. Yeah. yeah. So you get a lot of mystery yeah. stuff and things mm. like that that kind of plays into that. Mm. I suppose it's, a, it's, you know, the way they did this had an element of mystery, really. Was, oh, yeah. You know, they, yeah. you're figuring out the story of. The whole right. thing, and then within this one, um, the story of El- Eleanor, yes, the sister, yeah, the, the bride. Yeah. Yes. So you know that, that was really good. And again, we're back to the fact that essentially, essentially, it's okay. It's someone who's the person who is punished. Their moral was a, was askew, mm. but that that was a transgression like many many years ago that yeah. she finally pays for. Yeah. yeah. And. And that's very much the M.R. James has yes. a lot of that. So yeah. I think that's kind Punishment of from the past. To, yeah. mm. And also there's like a weird level, I mean we'll see it much more, there's a weird mm. level of almost psychometry with M.R. James where it's like, you know, when like touching objects and feeling the resonance yeah. and like where they've been and things like that. And that is a particularly M.R. James thing. And obviously yeah. you got it in that where they were, gi- they were giving away the, um, what is it, the handkerchief, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And it's and the door for the wedding. For the, for the... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the door knocker. But, and the Tyburn, and, well, Tyburn Timber. Yeah, oh yeah. So all of the stories, all of in the, fact, yeah. are... Yeah. Are They're all about to... an object, a cursed object, mm. or an object bleeding its past into the present. Yeah, and as you say, you know, um, the, um, so the halls at Barchester... Warning to the Curious, Whistle mm-hmm. and I'll Come to You. Treasure um, of Abbot Thomas. Yeah. They're all artefacts, because a, a lot of the characters... Oh, my... Canon Albrecht scrapbook, my absolute mm. favourite. They're all the same. They're all getting hold of an object that yeah. brings something with it that mm. you're not quite ready for. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I mean, I think also... I mean, I, I Lady Constance is uh, was played by Jean Marsh, who's just brilliant at being nasty old women yeah. um, but she was really good at being nasty young women at one point as well so but she was she um, she was a Doctor Who companion oh was she uh, really? she was married to John Pertwee and apparently that was the only time he watched Doctor Who is when she was in it before he got the part oh my god I had no idea yeah and um, and obviously I mean and she's just been in hundreds of fucking things mostly again like historical dramas like upstairs downstairs and things mm. like that she's fantastic and she is she is so good I mean and I think I mean I I I hope I think she's still around, hmm. and but I mean obviously by the time she was doing this I mean she was in like her seventies possibly her eighties you wow. know and sort of still a really good compelling I was gonna say, yeah I was going to say still one of the pinnacle parts yeah. of that story yeah and, yeah definitely and also now here's an interesting point uh, Felix <clears throat> the 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 groom oh me. yes yeah. Played by a chap called Ian Hallard. Now, I thought, I know this guy. And then, while we were watching, I was going through it on IMDb because I just wanted to check because I thought I've missed something out. Literally, everything I've seen him in is to do with Mark Gatiss. 
He was in An Adventure in Time and Space, which is the Doctor Who backstory drama they did a little while back. Mm-hmm. He's in First Men in the Moon. He's in a Gatiss episode of... Uh, written episode of Doctor Who, coincidentally, Robot of Sherwood. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, he was in that. He's in Sherlock. Uh, he's in The Worst Journey in the World, which I don't know if you ever saw that. That was like Mark Gatiss' first thing. If you get the chance to find it, to see it, it's brilliant. It's about a doomed journey to um, uh, the North Pole. Okay. But it's like based on a true story, and it is just one of the best things. I think it's one of the best things he's done. It's and just, yeah, you saying that that just makes me think of the League of Gentlemen sketch, where it's the three of them in the tent, and they're all going to yes. die. It, My yeah. wife's got a fanny like a bear trapper's hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you do me, but I'm not going before him. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, I think that's so. I think that's probably who that sketch came from because that's another thing that he's got an interest in is like old explorers and stuff. Um, but yeah, so this guy Ian Hallard, he's even in an extra on the Doctor Who DVD, The Green Death, where Mark Gates did like a little comedy extra for it, like a little ten minute film. He's even in that. Um, yeah, he's been he's been Mark Gates's fella since 1998. Oh. And they were married in 2009, so after uh, after Crooked House. Oh, mm. excellent. So, yeah, so it's, it's Mark Gates' husband, so no wonder he's in a lot of... Yeah, yeah he, he's he's done all right there, I think, in terms of, you know, if he's, you know, as an actor getting work, Mark Gates is in a lot of stuff. Yes, you know? he's so, definitely the man I to think, marry. Yeah, I think definitely. And I'm it, sure they're very happy. Yes, mm. um, Yeah, so you just reminded me, I completely forgot about that. The first men on the moon... Mm. Is that the thing that was filmed in, like, sepia? It had a sepia section, because they did a bit that was like the old uh, Journey to the Moon, like the silent film. God, see, but I it's him and Rory film. Kinnear who uh, fucked a pig in Black Mirror. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's them two, uh, and it's based on the... Um, it's Jules Verne, uh, science fiction story, The First Men in the Moon. And basically, he, he uh, Mark Gatiss plays... Uh, a character called Professor Cavor, and he develops a paint called Cavorite, which is a uh, anti-gravity paint, and that's how they get to the moon. And what they do is, and it's really good because it's basically it's the action of daylight or it's the action of light on the paint that makes it um, anti-grav. Hmm. So they build a giant sphere and fit it with roller blinds so that they can control. How they do it by making like the so you yeah you, some you light on one yeah, side yeah you unfurl the bottom yeah. of the thing and it shoots up into the sky and then you sort of yeah mm-hmm. and that sort oh. of pushes you in directions and everything and yeah and that's a really that was I another, remember that was that another being thing fantastic yeah that's a, that was great I think that was a two parter as well I think that was a, the a lot of these sort of um, he did quite a few sort of miniseries type stuff mm. like, at that sort of time. But yeah, First Men in the Moon is really worth tracking down as well because that's just. And also, his Professor Cavor's brilliant because he just. He has a nervous. Or like an unconscious, nervous sort of stammer, sort of a thing where if he's thinking, he goes. Mm, like that. <laughs> and there's just times where he's doing it and Rory Kinnear's just going. Cavor. Cover! <laughs> what? You're doing it again. Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, yeah. 
Uh, but that's yeah, that's well worth fucking checking out. Just mm. anything Mark Gatiss, really. Yeah, it I, sing I, like it. Yeah, yeah we will sing it from the rafters. I've yet to see anything that he's either appeared in or written which wasn't mm. amazing. Really, mm. he's um, yeah, everything he touches becomes gold. Does that even? I know I've said it before, but yeah, when Sherlock came out, mm. um, that was my issue with. It. I was like, Sherlock in the modern day will not work. I've got no interest in it. Dean said to me, oh, we should watch it. I was like, no, no, no. And then in the end, he was round here and said, oh, it's on tonight, we should watch it. So I said, well, he's round here, I can't really say no. And then as soon as it came up that it was Mark, I was like, oh, I didn't realise it was Mark Gatiss. That changes everything. And, yeah. oh, and it was, yeah, one of the yeah, best well, things I've I was, seen on I, TV. I was exactly years. the same. It was like, they're doing a modern Sherlock, that's shit. <laughs> it's Mark Gatiss and, um, oh, what's his bloody, Stephen Moffat. Mm. And I was like, all right, tell me more. <laughs> Yeah, because Stephen Moffat as well did a lot of the new um, Doctor Who stuff, didn't he? Yeah, well, he's he's current. Uh, he was the um, or is rather the current as as we're doing this. He's the current um, executive producer or showrunner oh, on Doctor Who at the moment. He he he's done it with uh, he's done it with he's done it with Matt Smith and he's done it without Peter Capaldi. <laughs> <laughs> I said no. He's so yeah. He's done like so. I think. It's, practically 10 years he's been doing it now but wow. yeah so that's and obviously him and Mark Gatiss that's that's where Sherlock came from is that they were both writing for the show before Stephen Moffat took over as the showrunner and it was a conversation on the train down to Wales mm-hmm. for like a, a tone meeting or whatever and they were like so how would you make Sherlock Holmes modern and they were sort of going through it and saying about bits from Basil Rathbone and his own take on Mycroft is kind of based on Christopher Lee in the private life of Sherlock Holmes, yeah, yeah, where he's basically, yeah, where he's like the head of MI5, yeah, which is half implied in the book, or sort of certainly he's something high up in the government. It's never really, yeah, yeah. Sort of, it's never clarified, yeah, at all. And he's just, yeah, he's just, yeah. So, and then you've got, yeah, the, then you've got the last segment, which is the actual sort of uh, the the wraparound, the wraparound. Now, uh, as you say, you. At least take a picture when you keep opening yeah, the yeah. door, and there's a thing. Yeah, I was like, I just thought I was like, right. So he's got this, you know, pretty normal little modern build. Small house. And he goes in there, and he comes out. He goes back in there. All of a sudden, it's a massive mansion. Why would you leave again? I'd be like, I'm just. Because Darren Brown's well, in did. there and he's looking at you. He, well, he did have a little look round at one point. Didn't he? he did the second time, but the first yeah. time he just went out and came. Yeah. And I was like. What, why are you in a rush? Why would you not explore that? <laughs> Even if you thought it was a dream, surely you'd explore this massive mansion that you've just found yourself in inexplicably. I think, yeah. Uh, take a photograph. Have a, have a shifting round. Try and avoid the big thing. Look for wine. Yes. Any wine they've got in there that you take home, that's going to be 400 be, yeah. years old now. Yeah? yeah, but the trouble is if they carbon date it, yeah, but if they, if it comes with you and they carbon date it, it was only last month, yeah, you know, and they're going to be like, well, it's fucking for all I mean, it tastes lovely. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if you found out that it's actually cheap piss, but it's sort of like, in 100 years' time, suddenly everyone's really obsessed with it, but mm. yeah, at that, that point, it's just, you know. That is one of those tiny little things that I did notice this time. And again, I don't know if it was just me putting an intonation on it that wasn't necessarily there. But yeah, so when you see him, when you see Mark Gatiss sitting 
with the the history teacher and he leaves and he has that final mouthful of tea and he just pulls that mm. face. Yeah, and in my mind, I was like, well, obviously, if he's lived through 500 years or whatever, tea now is piss compared to what it was back mm. in the day. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just those little things that just, I think, oh, I yeah, that's well, what... Nothing, well, not only that, but also nothing, nothing sort of... Nothing, no one's ever done that. You need to do the sort of element of stuff getting worse from an immortal's point of view. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I've, I've watched... It'd be like, I, I, went, I went and... It's, you're showing me this, and I went and saw... Bella Lugosi on stage in Hungary yeah. performing Dracula and now you're showing me Twilight what the fuck are you playing <laughs> but oh uh, the director um, who did uh, also did First Men on the Moon oh. uh, the director of this he also did some of Penny Dreadful ah oh, okay and also he did the Dirt Gently that you were talking about because mm. it was Billy in the yes in that in the in the, the, in the something story. old story yeah yeah, mm. yeah he um, yeah he was in, he was Dirk Gently wasn't he yes yeah, in mm. the Netflix Dirk Gently yes yeah, so I really liked him as the actor in it as Dirk and um, and I liked the fact that it had who was who was his sidekick from Lord of the Rings Ellie uh, Elias Elias Wood. Elijah, oh, Elijah, Elijah Wood. Wood, yeah. yeah. So I, I thought they worked together really well, but you weren't too keen, were you, Lee? Uh, I found I just found it a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit manic. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely it, was. It, it was, but, but yeah, there was just something about the maniacal. Mm-hmm. I like some maniacal stuff, but there was just something about that that yeah, just didn't. Well, it seemed to me like the story was getting more and more complex, and yeah, and I again, it's one of those where I thought. If I was trying to write this, how would I end it well? And I just thought they did a good job of, of ending it in a way that was satisfying. Mm. I did, Elijah Wood did that, didn't he? Do the remake recently of uh, Maniac? Yeah, a few years back now, two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I did like, it, but he does, he does some great shit. He did a film. Uh, is oh, this is Netflix only, mm. not a Netflix exclusive. And he did a film called. Um, I think it's I don't want to live in this world anymore. Oh, I saw it come up in my feed. I didn't fucking watch it. Oh, really? Seriously, fucking. It's hilarious. Elijah Wood. Basically, it's this woman gets. Um, I think she has like a, a break in, or she gets mugged. I can't remember which way around it is, but um, and so she gets sort of slowly more depressed and everything, and she she gets pissed off with. This guy who, like, she get just the world's just getting to her, mm. you know. And then this guy, like, has uh, this guy lets his dog shit on her long, so she goes around to have a go at him. But it's Elijah Wood, but it's Elijah Wood as like this sort of ridiculous, weird little sort of dweeby guy, but who's like studying nunchucks. <laughs> and he, it's like the brother from. Um, Napoleon Dynamite, you know, where it's like, yeah, I'm studying mm. to be a cage fighter. Yeah. So he's like all puffed up and like doing weights and stuff, and he's got like fr- throwing knives and shuriken and stuff like that. But he's just really fucking inept. And yeah, it's just their sort of like the story of them, because basically she gets her laptop stolen, and it's the story of him helping her get her laptop back from like the sort of pretty petty gang that did it, and it sort of spirals out from there. Mm. But one of the best things about it is the head of the sort of little criminal gang 
is David Yao from the Jesus Lizard. Oh, and wow. he is fucking great in it. He is brilliant. He to the point where I'm like, why the fuck have you not put him in Twin Peaks, Mr. Lynch? Because he's that he's just really fucking good in it. And um, yeah, that's definitely worth a watch on the Elijah Woods mm. scale, yeah. Do you know what that really reminds me of? Your uh, description of that really reminds me of Super. Mm. Yes. I love that that was another one that I, I don't I, I didn't know how I felt watching it. Mm. But coming out of it, I suggested it to everybody who I knew. So yeah. I must have been impressed mm. with it. But, yeah, it's such a fucking random film. Mm. And it's uncomfortable to watch. And, yeah, yeah. it's totally insane. But, yeah, what a great film. Uh-huh. Excellent. So, to wrap up this episode... Well, um, how, how many how many Christmas trees out of five go up Whitley's Dreamer's arsehole for Crooked House? A five. Five out of five Christmas trees up Whitley Street Bazaar. I'm giving it a, a five firm, firm Christmas tree straight up Whitley Street as a poop shoot. Go on then, I'll join in with five. Oh. Yes. So it's, it's an eye-watering film for, Whitley, for <laughs> bit, Whitley Street. I'm a bit uncomfortable with that, but and I imagine she is I, too. Oh no, it's, it's a, a, a he. It's a he. It's, a he. it's, it's the bloke who wrote Communion. I don't know Communion. The Alien we film? We discussed this in an earlier episode. Yeah, no, no, but it wouldn't have made much sense to me then. No, it probably it didn't, doesn't. and it doesn't now. But, um, Clearly. Well, not any disrespect to Whitley Strieber, obviously. Um, he believes everything that happened yeah, to yeah. him. And, and I have recently had some very unusual dreams in sequence, <laughs> just to bring it up on the episode. In the last six months, I've three times dreamt I've been abducted by aliens, so... I know where you're coming from. Um, but yeah. that, that is five, five, no, 15. 15, so 15 trees. Christmas trees straight up. So, so is he the guy that you showed us on YouTube? No. Oh, okay. No, you you so, know a lot of these guys who get abducted by aliens. Well, no, I don't know any of them. No. I, just, I, I have an interest in You will stories. soon. You're just like, you're all all you're in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> don't say that. I've just booked to go to Vegas as well. Don't say that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I do have an interest in uh, in aliens and UFOs and stuff. Not necessarily as a believer, um, but but the whole well, thing of it is just not, interesting. Yeah, I but find, not yeah. not as a believer. It's the same as my interest in UFO ghosts agnostic. And stuff. Yeah, is I think it's yeah. absolutely and the same with ghosts. Mm. I'm not. <clears throat> I'm definitely not a believer. I would absolutely say it's very unlikely, and there's never been any proof for it. So therefore. I would like to say it's 99.9% that it isn't. But that doesn't mean there's, that way, ghost stories and yeah, yeah, things I know don't that, interest me. There's, there's yeah. way, way more evidence that people make stuff up and that brains are crazy than there are in actual real ghosts. You know what, ghosts. I was going to say, most people have had an hallucination, mm, like a, yeah. you know, like yeah. brought Trip. on by illness or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, and it does. It absolutely happens. So mm. I think... The, the regularity with which these things happen is way more... I keep saying way more like some kind of jab. Um, I think it's far more likely that it is people's uh, uh, way of processing things that causes... Perception. These type of... Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, than that they're actual real things... But equally, that doesn't take the creepiness out of any of it. No. In many ways, that, I think... That's where it comes from the fact that you feel creepy about things. Yeah. I think being a fan of something, you know, I mean, 
if you were a real, real believer in horror movies, I wouldn't imagine they'd do you many favours. No, I, I mean, like in, in in the supernatural side. Yeah. Because if you've if you like, I mean, it's like I can't imagine the Exorcist really, really. I'd imagine it goes down a storm with Catholics, but not. You know, if I thought that was real, it would scare the piss exactly. out of me so badly. Yeah, there's no way I'd be able to sit and watch that film and enjoy it. Yeah. on any level. That's what I mean. So, so I think I think that's why I yeah, yeah I, think. I think that's why it is a much more natural thing that you can have an interest in ghosts and the and the story, like the fictional side of it, as well as the apparent reality of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think there's nothing. There's nothing odd about that like not being a believer in that something. duality yeah yeah, yeah. excellent so well right. we solved that one yeah there you go that's all wrapped up right we don't need to do any more episodes but we will we're going to do another one right now so um thanks very much for listening and uh we shall see you all again soon thanks for coming happy christmas happy christmas